Hey, Ashley, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm good. Uh, this is Brian. This is Kevin. This is Ashley. Hey, Ashley. Uh, we're all one big happy family now. We truly are. Is it Ashley L-E-Y or Ashley L-E-I-G-H? It's Ashley L-E-Y because I'm not a whore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. I am a whore. <laughs> I'm trying to fix the light in my room, but I guess there it doesn't a, matter, right? It, yeah, no, this it's isn't just audio. It's just so we can see each other. <laughs> what is this? Oh, we got a guest already. The hell? A inter- guest. We got an interloper, and yeah. you have like a J.J. Abrams like <laughs> flare. A, yeah, that's so what we got a J.J. Abrams flare. lens flare. Yeah. yeah. We're gonna we're gonna use that video as evidence for this guy staying in my house without paying rent. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's right. That's what we call in the in the rap game a scrub. <laughs> Welcome to INS, the International News Service, your source for the most important weird news from across the globe. With news analyst Kevin Harrison, actor, comedian, and musician Mike Wiebe, and professional commentator Brian Camp. INS, the news you need. So, welcome to the International News Service. We're your hosts. I'm Kevin Harrison, along with... I'm Brian Camp. And I'm Mike Wiebe, and this week we have special medical correspondent, oh. Ashley Sharma. Nice. Yay. Clap. You know, we, I guess we should, we always clap a little bit, or but it is a weird because they were a news service and we like uh, are clapped. Yeah. Like, you know, like Brian. Instead of bang pots and pans. That's yeah, the that, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's what right. Bryant Gumble would get when he would have on. <laughs> uh, Wilford, who's who's the guy? Who's the guy? The old Wilford guy that Brimley, we drive around. Gonna say? He, well, yeah, I mean Wilford Brim, that's a celebrity guest. Old guy that we drive. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about Charles Carrault. Charles Carrault. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's been reduced to the old guy that would drive around. Your folks are very upset with you right now, Michael. He had like a multi-decade Whatever. affair with a woman who was just with him when he was on the road. That's so fucking cool. He's on the road a lot. Yeah. Do you like, know you know who Charles Corralt is? So this is a theme that comes up in this podcast a lot is that we're all uh old and we don't uh and we we have obscure references that are for nobody. This podcast is Charles for Corralt. Is he like, like Justin a, Bieber? I don't understand. Like a, he's like a male Irma Bombeck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is awesome. <laughs> um, he was Charles Charles Corral was a dude who had a segment on on I, what news show was it? It was like sixty minutes or the Today Show or something. And he just like drive around. He drive around America. Good morning, and was America. Just like, I think. Oh, I'm a. He's like this. I'm an old white guy, and he'd be like, "Look, where here we are in uh in happen in Happensack, Arkansas, where old ninety year old Mrs. Eloise Kerfuffle makes the greatest pancakes anyone's ever had. And guess what? She's mm. never lost a baby tooth and some weird shit. Like it was just kind of this, like slice I feel of like life. I woken up in the living room and that was playing on my TV at like 3 a.m. And then yeah, I went, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. I feel like I would love that though. It's, I mean, it was pretty, it was, you know, 
very romantic way to think about living life, just town to town, meeting old broads. Maybe old people <laughs> that are just on the brink of death. Yeah, yeah. True. They've got old, you know, she could, she still can't walk from scarlet fever. <laughs> they've got they've got yeah the repercussions of diseases mm-hmm. that have been uh what's the word i'm looking for eradicated eradicated i was gonna say yeah. eviscerated which is a much it's, more violent choice that too a lot, hey, cool. a lot of really americans are trying to bring those back okay yeah, yeah oh my right. god they really are that's horrible how stupid are we i don't well, know you know if vaccines didn't adversely affect brain function <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. on, on that note, on that note, you're wearing a shirt that says "pro-choice." Um, this shirt gets. How does it feel to know you're going to hell? Oh, oh no, it's, it's weed. Yeah, but there's a mind. lot of drugs right. in there. There's okay, poppy. Well. I see some pills. I honestly don't even do drugs, but this my friend designed the shirt, and I was so nervous to. Well, maybe I shouldn't. Well, whatever. I was nervous to show my parents, and they were like. We love it. We want one. And I was like, tell me what you Did think is it? on the shirt. Well, yeah, I was like, what do you think is on the shirt? And they were like, a pipette and like a little mortar and pestle and didn't get what the yeah. shirt was about. And I was like, it's about drugs. And they were like, it's cute. It does look <laughs> like they could be uh, villains in a Super Mario Brothers game. Every it's yeah. like cute, oh, yeah. Cute yeah, it's villains. like really it's it's a really cute design, and I was nervous to wear it out and then i was like why am i nervous to wear this out it's just very austin yeah i think they're fine here i also don't think anyone's gonna try to fight me imagining a strung out koopa right now yeah (laughs) needle (laughs) needle in the arm well you know and you can be i you can be pro-choice and not actually use any of those drugs it's just a stance so you're you're very supportive of of i anyone can do whatever they want i i first i was like well it's all like you know, there's no like fentanyl or anything on here. And then I was like, there's pills, but yeah, you know, those are probably I'm not oxy. gonna overanalyze the cute shirt. There's <laughs> probably oxycontins, I'm sure. Those no, so, these are but... that's melatonin, <laughs> that's a B vitamin, that's <laughs> an ibuprofen. None of these are anything that can have fentanyl in it because <laughs> that I'll be against, but everything yeah. you mm. can do whatever you want. That's my uh, name. Do you, do you see a lot of uh, so I guess I should introduce it? Yeah, we gotta, we gotta, uh, yeah, on Set top of uh, uh, hilarious comedian, Ashley's also a nurse. Yeah, uh, what's your what's your was there more of a title in that? in your in your profession nope not really nurse uh i'm just a regular old rn and that stands for right now right now i thought Mm. just regular nurse because i don't live in the past or the present or in the future i'm living right now and i have no i have no medical training um (laughs) (laughs) and and what hospital can you be found at so So, uh yeah so people can i'm like there's gonna be a different podcast about me being a nurse um in 10 years for like a true crime thing those are hot those are hot that's what we probably should have done with yeah, this I know. this would be the chilling early confession to being some sort of angel of death then. this would be yeah. like the, nice, yeah. Yeah, the, the misplaced laughter at the she idea of you claim she did have medical training how was this allowed? <laughs> how did she get away with it for so long all these patients keep dying in a hospital and they have the same nurse yeah, and it all leads back to this one girl. There's so many, like, I don't know how anyone got away with killing anyone in a hospital. Um, because it, there are like a million systems now that stop you from, from killing someone on accident. That's why I never got into medicine. Because right. you're afraid of killing someone? No, because I'm afraid of getting caught. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. There's way better ways to kill people. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, yeah, that's the least, right. that's a bad place to. You should try a knife. Yeah. Have you ever heard of a good old fashioned? I'm going to lose my job over this podcast. Uh. <laughs> no, I was a, a standard, uh, like critical care nurse in a hospital. Uh-huh. Um, I graduated in 2019 and then was like on orientation until like January 2020. And then for two months, I was like, I think I can do a really good job at this. And then COVID happened and it was really bad. And so I did that for about two years doing like COVID critical care. And then I got really sick and being in the hospital and being in like, and what was essentially end of life care. And now I work kind of on the opposite end in preventative care, working as a, um, I'm the nurse on a mobile team that works with chronically unhoused people who experience chronic medical issues, chronic mental health issues, and suffer from a substance abuse problem. And so... And probably some substance abuse problems. Yeah, there's a yeah, a couple, of, a little bit of each. Yeah, that is super <laughs> but cool. But I just get to go like to... I work for this really incredible doctor in this new program where you just get to meet people where they are because it's a weird thing to expect like chronically ill homeless people to be like, yeah, we can help you if you can come to this office um, at three o'clock in two weeks. And I sure hope you remember. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just, Put on your day planner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a panda planner? It's a panda planner. You open it up, has stuff to do the other days. It says, What are your gratitudes? What do you want to <laughs> what do you want to do better? Oh, you're not bullet journaling out here? Yeah, yeah. Totally. It's a bullet journal. What where do you go for that? Is do you like go to camps or is there kind of like just an area like oh it's like gas, you know, or like a church parking lot in, in a certain neighborhood or something? Kind of everywhere. It's I feel really lucky that the program I work for is like kind of don't take no for an answer. I mean, if it's within the limits of our, uh, where we're allowed to work, where I'm allowed to practice, we go there. And for some people that's to get to qualify for our program, you do have to be homeless at the time. You can't be like housed, but maybe about to lose housing. You have to Mm. be experiencing chronic homelessness. Um, And so we're like a housing first program. So we try to get people housed as quick as possible. We have like a housing specialist. So sometimes it's, you know, meeting people like at an apartment or like a respite center or a shelter, anywhere we can get them housed. And then for other people who due to whatever circumstances we can't get housed, that'll mean like under the bridge or in a camp or a parking lot or just wherever we find them. Sometimes we know what stores they hang out at and we'll go pop around and say hi. It's it's uh, I feel lucky to be able to do that because I know a lot of other people work jobs where they're like, man, I wish we could just go out there and help them. Yeah. And I'm like, I got to say yes. I got to hop in my car and go, let's go find them. This episode is already more uplifting than every other episode yeah. we've done. Goodbye. Well, I'm going to bring it down real soon. Right. Oh, if, if you ask me the, the specifics and the yeah. reality of what that job means. Well, I, I've never definitely never done anything that intense, but I did have a job for a while where I worked with um, like mentally ill population for uh, for the county mm-hmm. and my job was to try and get them uh like they were people that all had housing but they were like on the brink of losing it so it was like trying to like and we had like a little budget for them that they could like keep we could pay for them to like live for like a month or two but we were supposed to get them 
work within that month or two, like help them find work. But they were all like schizophrenic as fuck. And like, and on top of that, they were getting like SSI from the government. And if they were to get a real job, they would lose that SSI. But the SSI also wasn't enough for them to cover like rent in like the most, you know, like the most ghetto apart, like con- this area called Concrete City. And, uh, and wasn't it called Concrete City? In, Cement in City. Cement City. Cement City. Yeah. Cement yeah. City. It used to be. And, it's nice now. And is it really? Yeah, they kind of fixed it up. Yeah, where there's Denton talk, there's Denton, Texas talk. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, so it was like this weird, like, catch 22 of like, there was no, like, get them a job and then. Not too much of a job. But not too much of a job, but you're supposed to get them a job because the money's going to run out. And also, like, what job is able to, like, you know, accommodate the needs of, like, some severely under medicated just like drug addicted it's, it was just this thing of like there was no way to and i i burned out really really quick because it was just like and it was like a shit ton of paperwork to yeah. like do nothing like to, to achieve absolutely nothing it was just days of paperwork and it was so yeah. i just kind of I, I was actually working there on 9-11, I remember. And I like had all this stuff to do. And then and and like we had in the, the break room, there was like TV in there. I don't know if you remember 9-11, but uh I, I don't know. I was like I was in the first grade. Oh my god. Uh, uh but we were uh god damn it. Yeah, well we were it was yeah, the the towers were coming down. I was like, you know what? I think I'm done today. And they're like, What? You can't leave, you got paperwork. And I was like, ah. I think it'll be. So I've had I've had I've had enough of a day. I had a guy I had a guy tell me he was going to punch me in the face because I might be a Satan worshiper. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna blow it off. So right. when you go out there, is it is there just what do you how do you how do you uh, blow off steam when you're like I did everything I could, but this this you know guy or gals. There's got to be some people that you're just like there's this just is not going to get any better, and there's no right. way it's going to get better. How do you how do you mentally wrap your head around that? Honestly, what you just described, that job does sound kind of similar to a lot of what our team does. I'm just on the medical side of it. Uh-huh. On the, okay, how can we get them to, you know, regularly take their meds? Yeah. And what right. I want to do, it's like a huge learning curve because ICU was kind of like, you're here. You're If you need a scan, if you need a, to see a doctor, if you need to take this med, like, it's probably going to happen. Even if, yeah. even if, you know I mean? If people refuse things, sure. But for the most part, they're like, Oh, you want to get the scan or you, you have to get the scan. We just roll you down the hall. Yeah. So most people won't say no to it. Whereas, you know, out on the streets, it's like, okay, in three weeks, we need to get you there and back and you can't eat all morning. Like, it's like a little bit different. It's a lot harder. So people right. will just refuse it. And that's frustrating. It's like, there's a million barriers all of a sudden, but the way I like take it I, again, I'm the program I'm in is very new and it's like a new model of healthcare, but I'm lucky that I'm in it because the, our model is kind of just to meet people where they are and not try to pressure them if they're not ready yet. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of get to be like this, gentle constant pressure that may not cause a change right away and you know that we've had people where for you know a year they're not taking their meds and so if i go see someone every day and they have a lot going on they don't have housing and they don't have money and they're dealing with a lot of things you just talked about and they don't want to take their meds part of me is like well of course you don't because why the fuck would you care about taking your medications when you don't know where your next meal is coming from so my goal is to just like focus really small and be like, okay, so if I've come every week 
for four months and not once has this person taken their meds, what, what else has changed in that time? Do they at least know what they're taking that medication for? Mm-hmm. Do they know why it's important to take it? Like if someone is like got high blood pressure and they don't want to take their blood pressure pill. A lot of times when you first start showing up, you're like, you got to take this pill. And they're like, I don't want to, I have no clue why I take that. I don't know what it treats. And so like in four months, maybe they're still not taking the pill, but I can be like, do you know why it's important to take this? And they'll be like, well, high blood pressure can cause a stroke. And if I have a stroke, I may not be able to work anymore. or I may not be able to eat independently. And I'm like, that's something, you know, Yeah. that's, something and it may take another four months for them to even remember to take it one time yeah so i just gotta stop getting in my head like oh i gotta get this person to take their pill right now this week because i understand that they need to take it and instead be like from their perspective they at least now understand what the medication is for and that is progress yeah you gotta focus real you gotta zoom way out and then go okay i'm not gonna get to the end goal this week i need to zoom way in and maybe see what I can, how far I can get. Now, Mike mentioned that at least at his job where he, it sounds like he was one of the principal players in the attacks on the World Trade Center. Yeah, that's, that he was, really, that's what, I'm glad that you brought that up. Did you hear, I mean, I'm not the only one who heard that, but he, he mentioned that at least one of the people he was trying to help out uh, thought that he was the devil and might hurt him. Mm, yes. How often... And I don't, I don't want to make an assumption, but I'm going to. I'm assuming that you are sometimes threatened in your work because you are not, these aren't people coming to you. You are coming to them. Yeah. Many of them have made an intentional effort maybe not to seek help. Mm-hmm. Are you ever threatened? Is there a risk to your life and limb? And can I say that I did I did not have very little, nothing to do with very little. 9-11. You had nothing to do with the first plane, but the second plane was almost all <laughs> right. right? Well, nothing, nothing with the planes. I mean, some of the improvised uh, <laughs> explosives. Sure. Did I sell, did I sell some plans and some, uh, some devices at some point right. I don't, yeah but i don't know who bought them and i don't know where they went now yeah. I, ins has an fbi file thanks mike you folded the dollar to look like that the first time you showed that to some guys and you don't know what they did with that <laughs> I love the idea that the fold came first. Guys, I folded this dollar bill and hold on, I have an idea. Uh, this gave me a crazy idea. Yeah. People are always saying Bush did 9-11, but it's it's more about the fold came first. Yeah, That's yeah. Like, it was somebody involved in origami for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I forgot what you asked because I started making fun of you. Do you ever get threatened? Do you ever get yeah. any people who hmm. want to punch you in the face because there's whores of Babylon walking around? Now, I was driving this guy and he was just like, this girl walked by. I'm driving him and he's like, "These look at her. Look at these whores of Babylon. These daughters of mammon. It makes me so Mad and he he smashed uh, the the he was in the passenger seat he smashed the dashboard. I was like, I was like pulled over towards the side of the road. I was like, he's gonna hit me in the face, and I want to be sitting here when it. Happens. I want to be off the road for that. Yeah, I mean that's like kind of the big thing is like just recognizing because there's a to answer your question. Yes, I have been threatened. I will say I think people think every day I'm out there like fighting for my life, and some days it feels like that, but. For the most part, when they're when they're my patients and they know me, they're all really lovely and so accommodating and very protective. I've had someone more often than not, someone who doesn't know me, like 
just another person mm-hmm. will just see me out there. I have like this ridiculous giant backpack. It's here. I can't even pick it up. But I think other people see me and kind of be like, approach me like, what the hell's your deal? But the, the people who know me are so sweet and protective. Um, however, they do, like I said, suffer from some pretty extreme mental illnesses sometimes. And sometimes people break. And you know what? I get it. And anytime that anyone goes, I don't want to say crazy, but like has a really extreme break. It's it's happened enough to where I feel like I'm pretty calm because there's really, there's like three things that are going to happen. I'm either going to go, oh, I know, I recognize they're getting angry before they even start to get really angry. And I can either deescalate it or leave, or they're going to get really mad and we're just outside. And I'm like, I'm going to just leave the situation um, but it's all about like kind of how you were saying, setting yourself up for success before it even happens. Someone's starting to get mad. I'm not going to like huddle myself in a corner, hunker down and be like, all right, let's, you know, take out all the sharp things from my bag and say, let's chat. If someone's starting to get agitated, I'm going to like, you know, try to deescalate them while I've got my bag on, make sure that I've got a clear way out of there if I need it. And um, try to just de-escalate in the moment. But if not, just be like, all right, I'm going to go and I'll talk to you later. I'll come see you later and just leave. That is my big move. They love to threaten me, though. I've gotten that. There was one time um, I was uh, at kind of the home clinic where I store my supplies and someone knew I was there and came and was like threatening me outside. And I went mm-hmm. out there with like water and snacks and was like, hey, bud, like... <laughs> I got some snacks for you and they were just really, this person was really angry and was like pointing things at me and threatening me. And the staff at the clinic was like, we got to call the police. And I was like, no, this person is just like this. They're going to come back in five minutes. They're going to want these snacks. Yeah. And really enough. Th- what kind of snacks? Were yeah, this is important. Goldfish, question. the little crackers with. That yeah. That's there's no, and, you can't stay mad on goldfish. And then those two, those pack of two cookies that are like soft. Like when you think of a snack cookie, you think hard. Oh, like mm. moss cookies, like those soft ones. Mm-hmm, the soft, like soft baked. Otis Spunkmeyer. Yeah. Oh, those are good cookies. Really yeah, good right, cookies. Mike, yeah. Those are and good cookies. I, truly, I get it. If I was, I've had like a headache that is where it's like over in an hour, but it's made me mad for three days. Like I'll be in a grumpy mood just cause I'm hungry. Yeah. Um, half the time these people are outside. The world is like, the odds are stacked against them. It's fucking hot as shit out there. Yeah. And I'm like, I bet you're fucking hungry and tired and in a bad mood. I might threaten somebody if I was in that bad of a mood. And then sure enough, the um, very nice person uh, calmed down and came back and said, Tell tell Ashley I would like those snacks. You know, <laughs> I got them right here for you. It's buddy. like those Snickers commercials yeah. where yeah, mm-hmm. you're not Barbara you. Barbara Billingsley you. turns into you know like the fridge, the refrigerator Perry. Those names are not yeah this- very current. Those are not too <laughs> current. Right. I referenced the, the mom is, from Leave It to Beavers. The fridge is dead. From Leave It to Beaver. Wait, Nate, wait, what are the what are the two characters you said? Uh, I just said when Barbara <laughs> Billingsley becomes. The fridge, refrigerator, Perry. You are. I know it's a little dated. They're dated. I call. I called it. I'm the yeah. one that pointed it out. She was an airplane. Oh, she right? was an airplane. Yeah, she was the she mom said... on Leave It to Beaver, and then. Oh, okay. I know airplane. Chicago Bears for like two years. <laughs> I love that you both said Leave It to Beaver as though that's a <laughs> that's a cultural touchstone. Everybody knows. You know. I know. Leave it to I know what Leave It to Beaver is. See? Okay. Uh, do I know all the characters? Yeah. Mike? Do you know? Do you know the dad's name? 
Larry it, Mondello. <laughs> you know Larry Mondello? Beaver, right? Is his name Beaver? Yeah, really the mean? main kid's name's Beaver. Yeah. And he's got a brother named Wally. Just died. And mm-hmm. Dad and mom. Her parents hate them? Bored in June. Eddie Haskell, the Eddie parents Haskell, do yeah. not. They don't like Eddie Haskell. He's a real He's a real conniver. He's and a real alfalfa a real, type. Just, and then there's the, the forgettable one's name is Larry Mondello. I don't remember That's him. the forgettable one's name? Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. just kind of a dum-dum. Yeah, he's not around very often. Yeah. You guys ready to get started with these stories here? Wait, what do you mean, Kevin? I want to talk more about Leave it to Beaver. Okay, well, they did bring this series back. uh, There was an 80s reboot called the new Leave it to Beaver. And initially, the pilot, everyone was divorced. It was real sad. But then they brought it back to a regular show. And it was like the full cast, except for the dad, Hugh Beaumont, who was dead. And they had a bunch of kids. And it was uh, it was fairly likable. Spent a lot of time watching. It was a syndicated program. But didn't the Beeb grow up to be kind of an asshole? Like, um, I feel like Wally had the better life. I'm sure. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, Beeb was a pud. He was like a real... Yeah. He was a pud? Yeah, he was a fucking... Yeah, I'm a fucking dub-dub. Yeah. Uh, Wally seemed pretty Wait, cool. That, that, that was droopy. He was. He was kind of droopy-ish. That was a good droopy. <laughs> and there was an episode where one of the kids, one of Beaver's kids found uh, Fantastic Four number one. Ooh. And then uh, they they put it, the last episode was Beaver going to a to a, a bank to put it in a safe deposit box. And right, before, right as he's putting it in, he opens it up and sits down and reads it. And I remember even as a kid going... You're ruining the value of that, you dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> Wait, so that's when he was adult, though. That was, that in was the... an adult. That was in the reboot. So the... he has kids. He doesn't have a wife, though? She's dead. What? What? His wife was dead. Was the wife a character in the original Leave it to Beaver? No, no, no. Because he's a kid in Leave yeah. it to Beaver. And then on right. the reboot, his wife's dead. How how much of a kid? Like eight? Five probably in the, in the uh, Yeah, I think I think like he was like five. Like five. Yeah. Well, not no, five. he was I not five. I don't know how old kids are. He was probably eight. He was five. Probably eight. He... It was probably on five years. So eight and eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Th- he might have even been thirteen. He got real like that he thing where you watched him grow up and there was like that year where it's like Why were they have... leaving anything to Beaver? He's a five year old. Oh yeah, they didn't he, he was, was real... I, I looked it up. He was eight when they started filming. And then how long, how many seasons did it have? They had six seasons. It was canceled in 63. Uh, 14. Which was the year, I believe, Fantastic Four number one came out. Mm -hmm. Two years before 9-11. No, that's not right. (laughs) After Mike's big, or wait, two years before? That was two years that Mike was fermenting his hatred of the United States. I I do. And you know what really got me into it is because I watched the episode where Beaver, in one of the later seasons, Mm -hmm. he... uh, he rejoices when Kennedy gets killed in 1962. Oh, you know what? I think I have seen that one. Yeah, seen it. yeah see, you've seen yeah, it. Yeah, everyone's seen that one. He goes, death to capitalism. Mm-hmm. That classic leave it to beaver line. Yeah. <laughs> I, I watched Alf. Oh, Alf's co- tell us about that. Alf has about come up like yeah. every week on yeah. this podcast yeah. for the last like three weeks. You guys just give off that Alf energy. Wait, the three of you combined are big. Yeah. Wait, hold on, Mike. Do your do your uh, Alf impression for us. Well, it's not Alf. Oh yeah, no, it is Alf. Yeah, yeah. it's Alf. Uh, this is what Alf says. Willie, <laughs> it's really good. Talking to Willie. You have to you have to do talk about eating the cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, okay, hey, here's here's why Alf came up. You know why Alf came up? Why? Because 
Willie, the actor that plays Willie. His name is Max Wright, and there's picture of him, pictures of him shirtless smoking crack with male prostitutes. Mm-hmm. He sounds pretty freaking cool. <laughs> I mean, no, why? Good. Who took that picture? Uh, I think I don't know. That's a good question. Was someone trying to blackmail him, or like uh, Amer- this is pre TMZ? Uh, what was it? National Enquirer is yeah. what the, the people that oh that wait, not a recent picture. <laughs> Maybe like yeah, I mean yeah, Alf, like Alf was like, already canceled though, 15, right? Yeah, yeah. I was like 15 years old, 18 years like, old. Okay, I was like, how I thought it was like now, and I was like, how old is this person? <laughs> well, he's probably still doing it. Once you get a taste for crack and male prostitutes, it's hard, you know. Yeah. What do you think comes first? Well, I mean, depending on how good the male prostitutes are. What? Hey! The way you're saying male prostitute um, is like how people say, like, male man. <laughs> like, it seems like you're just assuming that all prostitutes are women, unless you specify oh. Like male man versus male woman. Um, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna high road this. Thank don't, you for saying that. I I'm 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 actually I was, last I was starting to prepare a rebuttal, <laughs> and um, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know what my stance is because do I want? I don't know what I want. Yeah, That's true. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know the numbers. I do assume that there are more female prostitutes than male prostitutes if it's a numbers game yeah but i don't know i i might you know what i was preparing a rebuttal and i don't i don't actually have one i don't have the facts you don't have the evidentiary support to make a rebuttal i mean those are a bunch of words that i'm just gonna agree with that's right i learned the term evidentiary support from legally blonde so Uh, okay yeah yeah (laughs) i know that movie well certainly when the story came out and by the way, not the same guy as Mr. Drummond from Different Strokes. But when the story came out, not the same guy. Uh, it's not the same guy. Just it was the fact that the fact that the prostitutes <laughs> were male made the story more salacious because yeah. it did come out in like the nineties, yeah. I think. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It did. And that's why. Oh, yeah. It's not a recent story at all. No one needs to know about. I bet this. it was the two thousands that it came yeah, out. Like Alf was good, far and gone. But what else? What did he do after Alf? Uh, um, I think just the male prostitutes. He was. Oh, yeah. He was in Snow Falling on Cedars. He was in Grumpy oh, Old Men. Mm. He was in A Midsummer Night's Dream. Billy Puck. <laughs> Probably not. Um, oh, oh, I know Midsummer's Night Night's Dream. <laughs> no Puck. Puck is the fairy. Yeah, he's, yeah. I, I'm to the listener. I'm putting up my hands as if there he's should be. He's doing a total fairy thing right now. Well, they have like he it, it, he'll have uh, branches taped to his hands, and then I'll like put him down. And go, oh, this is theater. We're hearing from theater Mike right now. Well, theater Mike, I do listen. I did not go to medical school. I went to something a little bit more important called theater school. <laughs> well, while Ashley can individually work on people to save their lives i can perform to many people and save hundreds of lives you make life worth living did you see Mm. did you ever see my performance of you can't take it with you (laughs) are you asking me yes no but i'd love to see it now i i can't i it was it was about 19 high school yeah i was in the 90s uh i was there for the 90s well it was a high school production that i was in Mike played xylophone. You played xylophone? I did play the xylophone in it. Dude, yes. I got to tell you, the people that played xylophone, those were the cool kids. Well, I'll tell you, the only thing that. I learned was the uh, chopsticks and the Close Encounters theme song. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Oh, of course. That's all the, 
play. Those are the only two xylophones. Well, those are the only two worth playing. Oh, can I, I can tell you how Alf came up in uh, my life recently as well uh, because I referenced how uh, when men get cold, their genitals are smaller. Oh, got it. Mm-hmm. And my wife said, yeah, and it looks like Alf. Looks like Alf if you're lucky. And I was like, I don't... Uh. <laughs> I feel like it most of the time doesn't look like elf. I've never seen one, so I don't really, other than... Your own? Yeah. Do you, you guys read... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Kevin's trying to cut me off because I'm... Kevin, it's so desperate to get started. Yeah. Oh, are we, are we I mean, not started? Yeah, we started. No, we've started. Well, we started, this is all. but now we're going to do... The, we're actually going to do the news stories. These are medical stories that we're going to need your advice yeah, on. Yeah, we will need your mm-hmm. expert medical opinions. Yes. Oh, perfect. I can, I can do that. So this week is our special medical oddities episode. Mm-hmm. So if you are a little squeamish, then we've got a real treat for you. We've got a special guest, comedian and nurse Ashley Sharma. Then we've got two medical stories, and then we'll explore some of the deep, dark secrets of what nurses see. Uh, I said your last name. Is that okay or not? Because you're a comedian. We're gonna... Oh, that's fine. Okay. I started comedy a month before nursing, and okay. I was like, nothing's going to come of this. And now it's sometimes a problem but you know we're too far in so our first story comes to us from the 2018 volume of bmj case reports Mm. legitimate new source the best volume some would say this one will have a visual aid by the way in the past we have covered strange things found in people's stomachs but what we haven't covered up to this point is things found in rectums specifically things that got stuck there uh, I, I damn near killed him. <laughs> Can we do that again? So your timing's not a sentence off? No. <laughs> no that's, this is about right. Yeah. A 31 year old man in Milan, Italy showed up to an emergency room with a 23 inch or 60 centimeter dildo lodged completely inside him. Mamma mia. <laughs> that's not even shocking. <laughs> What? That's well. I guess this length is shocking. Almost two yeah. feet, right? We'll, we'll have a visual aid in a minute. Don't worry. Oh, good. What could the visual aid possibly be? Well, we'll get to that. The man explained to ER staff that the toy was not removable by hand and had been stuck for twenty-four hours. But other than some mild abdominal pain, he was feeling fine. What they said, he said it's not removable by hand. Was he like, you're going to have to use your mouth? <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say, that's what I was also expecting him to say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he might have said, I don't, you know, I didn't, I didn't see that. But, but he would have said it like this. He would have said, you're going to have to remove user your mouth. <laughs> so I'm going to show you an x-ray, but I'm going to tell you, like, it literally looks like he has a dick running into his heart. Aww. I don't know why I said oh. I don't, I don't, that was a concern. Sounder like, oh, this is going to be cute. This is going to be. I just heard dick and heart and was like, oh. <laughs> I gotta say, just before we even see the picture, there's like no way that 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 going to the ER to get it removed wasn't his specific kink. Because you got a lot of time where you're like, this is going too far, two feet. That's like a lot. So you already think that when he even started this, the idea was he was going to end up in the here. ER. Whoa. Where it would be like where you would, you know, it, it's kind of starts off with a normal where you would expect a dick to be. Yeah. But it runs all the way through his chest up the left side 
And yeah, where I would well, no, if was. those if it if that's his if those are his hip bones, then oh, okay. his heart's way higher than that, right? So you're thinking it's running that's through his lungs? His, that's his yeah, tummy area. Is, he's definitely. It's kind of hard to tell because it's like so zoomed in, but that is that must have perforated something. Yeah, I was about to say did that perforate something. Yeah, but because I can use per, yeah, I use words like perforate. Too, you say perforate all the time, Mike. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm, I'm I'm medical. Because like, I'm, I'm medical. And for the oh, listener, when you say perforate, what do you mean? Punch like a hole. Okay. Ooh. All right. If you put it that way, it's really scary. Yeah, like, but then it's like he was, other than mild abdominal pain, he was fine. So maybe it just like really bent his intestine. Like he's just going really weird into his intestine. Is that a serious medical issue if you perforate your, yes. I guess that's your colon? So I've had... You know, I can't go into detail, but I have had a remarkably similar case before. And it was like, it's like a long, because they don't know exactly what the surgery is going to look like, but they like plan for like a big, long uh, procedure for that because it can cause so many issues. It can cause so many different bowel issues. And you, a lot of times if something is stuck, stuck up a rectum like that, they will have to get like a colostomy if it, it's done mm. enough damage. Um, and that can be reversed in some cases, other cases it can't, but it's like, that's like a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like it sounds like it damn near killed him. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, and you know what he said? I think I've read this and on the record, he said it was worth every, every inch. Oh no. <laughs> Do, so do you do you have what what is your dialogue like with someone are you are you oh. fairly just like i'm in the room and handing and doing what what it needs to be done or is it uh oh oh just well, on time well, 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 rectum story right. oh well, well look well. who hey, everybody we start saying hey, the word rectum and guess like who shows up conjured him up <laughs> exactly you say the word rectum three times and he appears just like beetlejuice uh <laughs> listeners producer man behind the boards the man with the plan mark ryan is here mark ryan meet ashley ashley mark ryan hi ashley Thank sorry you. to interrupt don't mind no, me. No, you we came just, right time. We're just talking about when things get so far shoved up a rectum, it damn near kills them every time. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like a problem. So what you're what you're looking at is a 23 inch or 60 centimeter dildo mm. shoved entirely up a man's ass. Well, why do they make them that big anyway? <laughs> <laughs> For fun. So the medical team tried multiple approaches, including snaring it with a wire loop mm -hmm. and dilating the man's rectum with a balloon and then grabbing it with forceps. Unfortunately, these failed due to, quote, the rigidity, the smoothness, and the size of the object. Facing the possibility of very intrusive surgery, the medical team created a new instrument. They took a loop of surgical wire and pushed it through a stent tube so it made kind of an adjustable lasso. Yeah. Like a for like a dog catcher uses. The lasso is a common thing. They use that on a smaller scale. Maybe okay. not that big, but yeah. yeah. So the, the new tool was rigid enough that it was able to grasp the dildo and pull it from the man's colon walls. The doctor in charge of the team said, quote, We suggest this new technique as a valid option to remove large foreign bodies from the colon and rectum when standard endoscopic methods for foreign body extraction fail, the man was released the same day with no lasting problems beyond his embarrassment. 
I don't think he's embarrassed. No, he's embarrassed either. <laughs> I, I stand by it that I kind of think that's what he wanted. Yeah. The the article did say he sent apology notes to the entire medical staff. Oh, okay. Then maybe not. That's really, that's so, or maybe that's plays maybe it. Maybe it yeah. just adds into the shame that he wants to feel like that. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 That's the kink. Mm-hmm. What do you, when you get someone in there with uh, something, lodged what what's the is there a typical demeanor or is there a typical like uh, mm. psychology that you think you see in in these folks like it, are you asking if the person has a certain demeanor or are you saying yes. that like yeah yeah. yeah yeah if they have a certain like, like a uh, weird walk imagine they have a weird walk or or like well no i mean <laughs> i mean like if they're like uh <laughs> I don't know what happened. I just sat down and the next thing I knew, or if they're like, no, I was me and I, it was, listen, you know, it was, it was Labor Day weekend. And uh, right now that gets. It's, it's, it's one or the other. Honestly, those are the two kinds of people I've encountered are like people that are like, I don't know. I just got this, you know, champagne glass all the way up there. And it's like, you do the x-ray and it's like intact and you're like, I don't think that was an accident. Like, I don't think that they'll say like, I don't really know how that happened. I just fell. And you're like, there's no way that makes no sense. Or it'll be like people that are just like, yeah, we were doing this and have like very little shame about it. Both is yeah. fine. I understand both perspectives. How, how common is this? Mm. Uh, pretty common. Like a, like a <laughs> nightly occurrence, weekly occurrence. Probably at least weekly. <laughs> at least where I work. There's some, something, so great. someone, something uh, all the time. Now, do they, they get to, do they like, hey, we pulled it out. Do you put it in a baggie and they take it home? Or does it, you know? I believe is it incinerated from a similar situation that I was in, we did not return it. But it was also a repeated issue. Um, oh. and, and it had been there for a while. So yeah, is there, what does a while mean? Ten days. Oh my god. Yeah. It, so are there wow. people that it's like you keep doing this and it's starting to? Well, I mean, I guess they got to pay for it at some point, right? You got good insurance. Mm. But I guess no. If you're going to the ER, like you can't turn away like a person in distress, right? The hospital I worked at, we did not turn away people who couldn't pay. Uh, we would take anybody and uh, which is a beautiful thing, but also we would kind of get people that the term is frequent flyers for people Mm -hmm. that you see repeatedly and like, Oh, they get miles. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) miles and miles and miles built up in inches um, for some of the, (laughs) (laughs) we'd get kind of frequent flyers of people that would do things so regularly and so um, uniformly where it's like, the same situation every single time to the point where we were like, yeah, we know this is, we know this is on purpose. And that would be not just things up the butt. It would, there's some people that would come in for the same thing, like every two days. Like what? Also swallowing things, shoving things up their, their rectum, shoving things inside of their genitals. That's a thing. Oh yeah. Big time. All sorts of stuff. What, What kind of stuff? Cement. What? Staples. What? How? How do you like wet? Do they mix the cement and like it? Like taking a block of cement and crushing it down, and then taking pieces and 
wow. That's very specific. Wow. Yeah. I huh. will say I all three of those things, the reason I chose to say those three things is that is not one patient, one occurrence, not even one hospital. That has happened multiple times at multiple different hospitals. So you're not pinning it on one person. You're not revealing anything. No, you it's like, see, I wouldn't, right. yeah, I wouldn't say anything that is like, oh, there's only one case of that ever. Yeah, right. No. Yeah. Everything I mentioned, like is glasses, like any sort of like <laughs> flute or glass, that is a common one. That Ooh. one, and I've heard that. I've heard that a bunch of times. It's not from, from people, but just over. Like, so is the the fear has got to be with the glass stuff? Is it? Ugh. What if it breaks? Yeah, in there. If it breaks, that's a huge, huge issue. But I would say, of the many times I saw it, it would not often be totally shattered how does it not break though i mean it would be sometimes it would be cracked but the real like it would be cracked so where there's like and that's a little bad but i don't think i'd ever had one where it was like totally shattered because that's super that would have been a whole issue this would make a great ad for waterford crystal (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny it's so strong that what so when you're in these scenarios uh do we stand any what what is your job specifically oh yeah nurses normally do everything right are you are you the one with uh gloves and a pair of pliers going trying to get another or or are you like handing stuff to docs or what are they assuming it's not a surgery yeah or also if it is a surgery if it's a surgery then i would usually be there to help with the initial like assessment and talk to the patient about what's going to happen um once they decide what they're going to do um, I'd be there for like signing consent. So like, oh, here's what's going to go down and have them sign it. And then, then they go off. I was never like an OR nurse. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And so I would never be there during, if it was a surgery. What if it was a removal? If it was just a removal, I was there for a lot of it. And in fact, when I was like a student, that is when you get the most action because I got a little bit of a reputation as a student as like a, Oh, I, if there's something weird, get me in there. Get me in oh, there. We, we need an example. Any sort of like lancing, like, um, Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like lancing popper. something, something with a high pressure, like <laughs> where there's going to be pus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, love that. Anything there's a bug Have in you here. Pus hit your face. No, I'd wear a face shield, but I oh, loved, I loved the learning the process of that. And that is not something that, um, all nurses will do. It's more of like an advanced practice thing. Um, but with the doctor right there, and if I said I wanted to do hands on, they would often let me nice. um, do it. I, yeah. Oh, it's, I literally would love to. I'm so disgusting. I, <laughs> any bug in an ear? So many bugs oh, in here. Really? Bugs in really? Ears, mm-hmm, so many bugs in What's ears. the biggest bug that you saw in an ear? There was one time where it was on a live bug and it was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in my life because it was like, I didn't, it was almost like they had worked in like a, they must've worked in like construction, but it was almost like they had like coal or something like pressed into their ear. And the craziest thing was the bug was alive. So we, we cleared out, we like irrigated and cleared out the dirt. And then we saw that there was the bug, but then it was getting freaked out by the light. And so you'd put the light on and off and it would be like peeking its head out and then going back in and then peeking. we ended up having to kill the bug and uh, <laughs> the uh. 
kind of bummed me out. Like I was like, there's got to be a way that we you can know, save yeah, it. And you, you know, you hear that you take that pledge of do no harm, but yeah, you got to do. And then you're so afraid because if there's part of the bug still in there, we yeah. kind of reconstruct the bug and be like, did we get, is there any leftover bug yeah. in the ear? Now, did when you're deciding between killing the man and killing the bug, did you have to go in front of a death panel and let them well, decide? It was, uh, we did a vote in the room and it was close. Uh, but, <laughs> but man won out, um, because he got yeah. a vote and he was the one over. Was um, it, was it like the earwax was so thick, the bug was able to kind of like hide or. I don't, he, I, he can't be, it was the most bizarre thing I've seen in my life where he was kind of going. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, what am I looking at right now? The guy know he had a bug in his ear? Yeah, he knew. Oh, well, he okay. knew something in his ear. He was having like tons of pain and balance issues and he was feeling all off. He had he... tons of stuff in his ear. His ear was like packed up. Do you think yeah. he had a thing about putting shit in his ear? Was that like a... No, it was clearly a work situation. Okay. Yeah, it was. It, that person was like caked and they were clearly coming from work. You can sense a weirdo. I've got a good weirdo radar. How many how many weirdos do you sense right now? I'm just curious. Oh, I've got five. <laughs> yeah, well. And if you would believe it, I'm not one. Mike is counting it's two. <laughs> one for each. Um, I I have more questions, but maybe Kevin, should you do the next story? Because uh, I'll I'll, I'll kind of save them for the end. This story this story is pretty recent too, so it's pretty exciting. Okay. So this comes to us from the June 2022 edition of the American Journal of Case Reports. The article didn't make it clear where this occurred, but a 72-year-old man showed up to an emergency room recently with a number of health ailments, including a whistling scrotum. When doctors examined the man, they determined that both of his lungs had collapsed, and as a result, air was circulating freely through the man's chest. The man also revealed that he had surgery on his scrotum a few months earlier, and doctors found a wound where the air would escape. Uh, so what doctors think happened is that the air built up in the man's body and then escaped by whistling out his scrotum. Doctors describe this as unusual since there are a handful of reports of scrotums filling with air, but nothing about them whistling. The man spent three days in the hospital where the air was drained from his chest and he was treated for collapsed lungs, given antibiotics, and had a procedure to close his scrotal wound. And but real quick, I also want to point out. So this article had so many scrotal X-rays of this man that I swear to God, I've seen his dick more than any other dick I've ever seen outside of my own or porn. Oh, I I'm just I'm wondering, could he perform uh, the theme from Bridge on the Ripper Quad? <laughs> and that's actually what he came in performing. Yeah, so, I revealed. Patient specific oh, information. Oh. <laughs> See you in court. He could just do the theme to taxi uh, or leave it to Beaver. Well, uh, you guys, I don't know if you know this, Ashley. I, I actually have collapsed my lung before. Yeah. I believe that because it's, you can, did it just happen spontaneously? No, I fell off a bar. Oh, well, not completely, forget what I was going to say. Yeah, it was blunt force trauma. I fell off a bar. And you know yes, what? Yep. I was able. I was able to uh, do a nice little ditty with my Prince Albert piercing. No, I don't have a Prince Albert piercing. I did not be able to whistle or sing through my genitals, but I, I did. I did collapse my lung once. I, I wonder how this. A lot of old people can just. They'll just. It'll just collapse yeah. on them, though, right? Right. Yeah. No. Well, I thought what I the direction I was going in was that uh, really young people that are tall and thin 
Oh yeah, um, go on, go on. And really handsome and fun. Oh, come <laughs> on. Ooh. Oh, yeah. No, uh, that's like a common thing. Is that like young people, like really young, like eighteen, nineteen year olds, will have a spontaneous lung collapse because of just like the build of a, a tall, thin person. Mm-hmm. It, there, sometimes it just happens. But did you get a chest tube? Yeah, I got a, I got a, I'm not going to put my shirt, but I got a, yeah, I got like a, they stuck a tube in here and I was in the hospital for about five days while it was draining and into, I have a, a thing and stuff like that, but, uh, the big canister, right? Big canister. The- yeah. It's weird fluid. It was uh super, super weird. Um, yeah, it was, it was awful. It was truly, <laughs> truly, truly awful. It, it sounds like in, in, Ashley, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like if this is something that happens to lots of people who are tall and thin, that from at least an evolutionary standpoint, <laughs> science has kind of gotten in the way of eliminating tall, thin people from the yeah. earth, right? Like yeah. maybe no, that's it's it, modern medicine is standing in the way of of short people rising up. Well, not rising oh, up, staying or, to the ground. Right. Um, right. Or yeah. tall, thin people are evolving uh, to no longer need lungs and simply <laughs> exist through taking our oxygen through the light <laughs> I like, love a, that. like a breatharian i, I want to empower yeah. you to be the first person to try <laughs> light doesn't have oxygen. i did i did try and there was a fucking world that that threw me in the hospital <laughs> that's painful it stuck tubes in me chest tubes are painful were you out when they, they put it in no no i went to so uh, it was South by Southwest, and I was doing a show, and uh, I, I think you were saying that's the hospital, and I was like, that's, I think, that's, that's bad. I, well, I, 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 was, I can confirm was, that uh, that four of the people here were at that show. Oh, yeah. You, uh, everyone was here, <laughs> and uh, so I was like, but, you know, whenever you, they always say, like, ah, when you, when you uh, break a rib, it's, like, real painful, and there's nothing they can really do about it, you know? So I was like, wow, I think I probably just broke it. I was like, first, I was like, I need to go to the hospital, and then on the way home, I kind of, like, was like, ah, I don't know, let's just go to the house, and then went back to the house, and I uh, got real high and drank a bunch because I was like, well, that'll make it feel better. And then I went to bed and I woke up and was I woke up at like five a.m. and was like, "Ugh, it's still it's still hurty." My girlfriend or fiance at the time was like, she was like, "Let's go," and I was like, "I don't have good insurance. I got to figure it out." So I was like trying to do, you know, how fun it is to figure out insurance shit. And I was trying to do that, like, uh And so then I went to uh, like one of those pop up ERs and. um they they were like real like yeah what do you want you know like what do you want and then they don't really care or anything and uh, they wheeled me back into a thing this this real surly lady wheeled me back into a thing and did X ray and I could see like through the like glass kind of things I could see her like like look at the 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 X ray and get like like kind of like bleh, like get real serious looking <laughs> and she came back in and she was suddenly she went from very surly to very nice and courteous and prompt you could take that out of your that's when i knew shit was not good and uh i was like what's wrong what'd you see and she's like i'm the doctor will tell you in just a moment and i was just like you tell me and uh so then the doctor came in he was like ah you collapsed your lung and i because i like always go to the worst place i was like oh they took a thing and i'm just like riddled with cancer and so and which i don't think i don't even know but they but so i was like ah lung collapse said marky mark was fine in three kings when that happened to him (laughs) he like put a put a a big tube up yeah so he they gave me some fentanyl and uh, they put a tube up in me but the fentanyl was it was pretty 
I see. I see why there's an addiction to that stuff. It's pretty, pretty yeah, sweet, it's, pretty sweet it, stuff. Yeah, when I worked on like a post-surgical unit, people do love it a lot. Um, do they get hurt on purpose to get it. If they were, I mean, we we were given it. We weren't given it for baby stuff. Well, maybe yeah. as we were, but you know, baby stuff. Now I feel like I'm going to get judged if I ever go to the ER. <laughs> oh yeah, we're judging stuff. you. I, I say that that's like a joke I always say about like, oh, people think like nurses have seen it all. They're not gonna be phased. And I'm like, we're not phased. We are judging you though. Like <laughs> Yeah. You don't think we go in the hall and go, this one, you see, well, actually, I'm super nice and I'm nice all the uh, time at work, and I've never said a single mean thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I will unless the kind of person that I will maybe be like, bro, stop is when it's like a young man with nothing wrong with him where he'll be like waiting for test results. And they're so mean. Is that you guys? It's you. I'm looking at the face of. (laughs) No, I I feel like I was pretty. You were nice. I, yeah, on uh, definitely that occasion, I did get a little, like I tried to, I just, I didn't have enough power, but I wanted to argue because they were like, you go. So there's one of those little pop-ups, like the one over by Buzzmill, like the little pop-up ER like things. ER and, and I was, was like, I, they were like, okay, well, we got to get an ambulance to take you over to the thing after they put the tube in me. And I was like, no, I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to drive, but my, my wife will. And they're like, no, we got to get an ambulance. And I was like, no, I can't afford, I can't afford a thousand dollars for a four mile drive. And they're like, yeah. too bad. And I, I started to get a little not irate. I was just, I, I started to argue and then I was like, oh, this hurts too much, whatever. I'm just going to go ahead. And I don't mind if someone's like in pain. I have a pretty high tolerance. I think for people, I've never thought one of my homeless people were bad. I've never thought for the most part, no one has annoyed me except for when dudes like young, like 30 year old dudes are mean to their wife or even worse, their mom that's with them. And they'll start being, they'll be very nice to the staff and like horrible to their mom. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to kill you, which is maybe that's not nice, but still it's, you're an adult man. And most of the time when they were mean like that, if you have enough energy to be mean to your mom, you're usually fine. You're usually, they would often come back with like or whatever. I can see that. Um, uh, real like quick about away. the scro- about the scrotum guy though, real yeah. quick. That guy, two two collapsed lungs. You have no lungs left. That's yeah. he must have not been whistling for long before they fixed it. <laughs> that must have been a quick. Yeah, tune. You only have two of them, right? Can we say this that he was he was whistling dick me? Oh, Michael. <laughs> but I, you know what? Though? I do have a question because and uh, that doctor, the ER guy that that put the thing in there, uh-huh. he was a uh, real. Goddamn weirdo. And then and then the 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 main lung doctor lady was she was great, but she was almost a, like you if you told me she was an android, I would have gone, yeah. Like she was just a like uh she was a robot. And I, I the more doctors I run across in my life, the less seem like human beings. Like how many doctors and I and this might be sensitive. We but I'm not asking for names, obviously. But like, do you find that a lot of doctors are like weird automaton people? The, I I will say this: the doctor I work with currently is maybe one of my favorite doctors of all time, and like yeah. the community health doctors I work with are incredible. Yeah, some of the surgeons, surgeons, mm, surgeons yeah. more that I'm, I'm thinking more surgeons. Yeah, insane. And specifically, 
every pulmonologist, which is like a lung doctor that I've worked with, yeah. that's like a very critical kind of doctor. Usually when we're working, I worked with a lot of like, um, we call them PC3A doctors, but like they're like a lung doctor. I worked with them a lot for COVID and they're all brilliant. If I was ever dying, I'd want them there. But also they were like a little insane. But I think that comes with having so much knowledge and responsibility. Yeah. How could you not crazy? Yeah. But they're all very particular, especially surgeons are so particular and, and yeah, they're a little crazy. It did seem like I had a up my hand real good a long time ago and had to get some some real surgery on my hand a couple of times and those guys the guy i remember the guy was just like i and he, and the long lady too it feels like you traded your emotions for knowledge or maybe i've seen this i've seen doctors that are like so one way in at the hospital or clinic or wherever mm-hmm. um and this is like the kind of the kind of perk of comedy is that t- when doctors don't know how you do comedy they want to come see it and i hate that kind mm, of yeah. and that's really the only time that my last name being the same for comedy has been an issue for me is that like the, sometimes doctors will be like i looked you up and i'm coming and they're like so insane and serious in the hospital you're like i do not want you anywhere near my stupid comedy show <laughs> you'll never respond me ever again yeah and then they come to the show and they're like the biggest wildest partiers so fun so like lighthearted. do not talk about work at all but it's like in the hospital they're like which is also crazy that's a yeah. di- that's still crazy it's just a different kind yeah to be able to compartmentalize things to that even your entire personality yeah. for that much time a day that's yeah which i get i mean if you're doing that kind of work i can't yeah i mean that's probably a reason why i could never be smart enough to do that kind of work because compartmentalize i mean not only only smart enough but also like the emotional intelligence to be able to separate all that stuff is probably something i'm not capable of as well well hey i feel like nobody does it right i feel like what everything i described is not people who are being very emotionally intelligent necessarily. I think they're just doing their best. Yeah. And B, I feel like I am, I have always been pretty true to form. I think all of my bosses, like nurse managers have seen me do comedy for the most part. And um, all like most of my coworkers have seen me do it. And I've never, no one has ever been like, wow, I had no idea you were like this. That's like, I feel like I'm pretty much the same mm-hmm. on either side. And boy has not compartmentalized and kicked my ass sometimes. <laughs> Cause if there's just like no line and I'm like, I'm just all me all the time. It'll just kill you. It'll just yeah. suck the life straight out of you. And you're like, damn, maybe I should have put up a wall or two. Yeah. Oh, I want to hear, this is what I want to hear. Top wounds, worst oh. wounds you've seen. <laughs> Worst wounds, multiple. Yeah. I well, I'll give it a whole genre because there's this one. <gasps> wow. There's this whole thing that you like learn about in school that I guess, uh-huh. and, and I guess it's important to note that I had no medical experience before I was a nurse. Like sometimes people are like work in hospitals or nursing homes or are like a nurse's aide or medical assistant. I was just like a. I worked at like an escape room and a soap shop. Like I'd not a hotel. I'd done lots of jobs and none of them remotely medical. And so in school, you learn about pressure wounds. And in my head, I was like, I'm not going to see how often am I going to see a wound from pressure? That's not going to happen. Like, or maybe if it does, it's going to be very rare, which is a pressure wound is like, 
if you like sit still for 15 minutes and you're feeling that urge to shift like off of your like bony prominences, mm-hmm. like your tailbone, mm-hmm. or if you're laying down or like your shoulder, or your elbow, if you lean on against something for a while and there's like that red spot on your elbow, um, that's your body like telling itself to shift to avoid a pressure wound. And um, for like a bed sore. Yeah. Like a bed sore. Okay. Exactly. Oh. Um, and so it, it'll come from like the pressure of your bone and the weight, of your body on the bone, like rubbing against your skin. And if you don't have the ability to shift, so um, it's really common in people that are disabled or like paraplegics or quadriplegics or people with less feeling than usual, they won't have that sense to shift off of it. And um, it will just sit and sit and that pressure will just literally cause the gnarliest, deepest tunneling wounds. So in the hospital, especially in the ICU, you have a lot of patients that have decreased feeling They you have to like turn them every two hours, like on the clock, you go in there, you reposition them. You have like special pads and things to remove the weight, to keep them safe. And that's good. And then they don't get the wounds mm-hmm. in like nursing homes. They don't do that. In nursing homes, people are left for hours and they don't get shifted or turned. And what happens is they will stay there for weeks and they get these horrible wounds. And so someone will like change, there'll be a little wound and they'll put a bandaid on it. And that person will lay there for God knows how long with nobody turning them. Um, and I'm not blaming the staff because these ratios are set up to make the staff fail anyways, but that's besides the point. And then they'll have like a, a heart condition or something that gets them to come into the hospital. So you'll get a patient and they'll be like, oh, so-and-so is from a nursing home. They have this heart problem. And if you turn them and you see like a bandage on their back, oh my gosh, like 80% of the time you open that thing up and it's been, that bandage hasn't been changed in weeks. And it Mm. is the most horrible wound you've ever seen. I've seen some that have gone down to the bone. And it's the, the thing is, it's that like the genre of wound I'm giving to you. It's like from a nursing home, hasn't this bandage that is not labeled. You don't know how long it's been on there and you peel that off the first time. That is the worst kind of wound. I've seen Mm. like bugs and maggots. Things. That's that's what I was leading up to. I want to hear about maggots. (laughs) I've seen maggots a couple of times and it's exactly that kind of wound where Mm. unfortunately people are left in these nursing homes um, and are just there. People aren't able to turn them. And what's the smell like? Is there a smell? There Dr- is a very strong smell. I think I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. Drekar Noir. It is. <laughs> they don't burn them, but they do spray them. And <laughs> it's sad, but it is a little sexy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's only sad. It's not sexy. I am. I think I'm used to the wound smell, though. I think there's worse oh, smells. Wow. What is a worse smell than a wound smell? I think most people are in agreement, like most medical professionals, like bloody stool Ooh, is pretty bad. Okay. Really? People say that C. diff, which is a specific kind of uh, bowel disease, is uh, is pretty gnarly. And people will be able to say like, oh, that, that's C. diff. Like they can smell the difference, but they can't. It's proven that, that you can't. It just smells bad. C. diff. What about a cat? Could a, could a cat or a dog smell the difference? Because that happens a lot. I don't according. think so. I think it's proven that like people just think they know. They there's going to be C diff dogs where they're going to be like, yeah, this dog can smell C diff, but no. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If if you ever hear anyone in medicine go, I can smell the difference between normal 
bloody feces and a C. diff patient. They're lying. There's studies against it that say smell the C. diff. It's just a coincidence. Um, but yeah, C. diff is the kind of bacteria that causes that kind of unfortunate bowel pattern. Um, but that's probably the worst smell. I, maybe a lot of people would maybe argue it's the wound smell, but I'm so I'm really used to the wound smell. And my favorite thing in the world is just uh-huh. when you find a poor patient like that is to clean it up really nicely mm-hmm. and bandage it up. And then um, uh, hopefully it begins to heal. Sometimes it doesn't, but at least, you know, it's clean. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a nice feeling. It's a bad feeling when you're doing it though. Cause they're in pain, but you know, yeah. My, okay. My, my last question is, uh, have you, uh, have you ever, have you had to be in the room when, when you lost one? Have you ever had to die, be in a dying, around a dying patient? All the time. Really? Many, many times yeah. for COVID. That was, that was a big part of it for COVID. There was, I mean, the doctors would go in sometimes, um, maybe for like 15 minutes max, um, a day. If that, um, physical therapy wouldn't go in. It was really just nurses going in. No family was allowed. And then we'd lose a lot of patients. I probably lost count of how many times I was in there with a dying patient. I have like a really depressing notebook somewhere that has like all the last. This is a horrible way to end. Yeah, it is. It is. It's my fault. But I will say you are always in a posy mood. You're one of the most positive people that I'm around. That's crazy. You have positive energy this whole time. We just think that she was going to make a joke about it, Mike. Did you think you were going to, like, this was going to, she was like, yeah, as a matter of fact, you wouldn't believe what this one person said. We might (laughs) cut this, but halfway out of my mouth, I realized this was a bad question to end on. I'm so sorry that I was really like, yeah, it's I. Yeah, that was a depressing way to end. But it's you know what? At the end, to 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 stay true to what you said. At the end, I there's some days where I'm like, who? Why did that matter? Because I didn't want to be in there, and the patient didn't want me there. They wanted their family there. So like, who was it for? Who did I help? And then they died. So it's like even the one person that you might have helped doesn't even remember. But at the end of the day, I like to think it's like that thing I talked about earlier where. You look at the big picture and it's going to feel like you did nothing. So you have to zoom really small in and you have to go, if I was in there with that person and I had the privilege to be the one that held their hand or sing them happy birthday or like give them their last meal and just do whatever they want at the last moments. That's I feel lucky to have gotten to do that. So yeah, Yeah. you're a better person than all of us combined. You're a better person than the rest of us. We're we're crippled by our own neuroses, let alone like, bleeding sucking wounds on other people she never sucked any wounds well i, I didn't say that i didn't exactly <laughs> hey yeah. hey does that what about snake bites let's send it on snake bites are fun yeah. snake bites you are forget fun. the good snake bite i've never seen a snake bite in the hospital i've gotten bitten Damn by it. a snake though but oh, um, what kind i was i have no idea what kind i was my family's from the fiji islands and we went back to fiji and my dad took us on this little dinghy to Castaway Island where they like filmed the movie Castaway. Oh. And I was like little. So they took me off the boat first and we're like, okay, you go play. We're going to unload. And we were set to, they were just going to drop us off in this boat, leave and pick us up in like eight hours. And in the like minute that they had me roaming around the Island, I went and kicked uh, uh, a log and a snake came out and bit me. Oh, wow. And by the time I walked back over crying, being like a snake just bit me, the boat was gone there's uh, no phones. 
And so we just, my dad just picked me up and carried me around this little castaway island where we were legitimately stuck. And there was a Target photo shoot going on on the <laughs> other side. And they had a medic. Oh, nice. Wow. What Was it a poisonous snake? Yeah. It wasn't poisonous. It was just a, a snake. <laughs> You can get you can get an infection from a snake bite, right? I think I be, I believe I did yeah. get an infection, <laughs> and I yes. had to go to a Fijian. My parents have all these. Whenever we went back to Fiji when I was a kid, I would get so hurt every time. I'd get like an infection or a ringworm. I was just like an accident prone kid, so I I would end up. They have all these pictures of me in Fijian hospitals. I think that's why I'm a nurse. To tie it all together, I think that's why is because I just ended up in the hospital all the time as a kid. Nice. Yeah. So Ashley, where can people find you? Like, do you have any shows coming up? Do you have any social media? I have my own show every third Friday of the month at the Velveeta Room. It's called Blackout. It's a fun little game and a show all at once. It's in Austin. It's in Austin, Texas, uh, United States. Um, <laughs> North America. North Check America world. Well, this world at least. Uh, and then my Instagram is dat, D-A-T underscore Ash. I made it when I was very young and I've stuck with it. Uh-huh, I get it. <laughs> yeah, because like that Ash. That Ash. Yeah. <laughs> so that wraps up another week of the International News Service. Find us across social media at International News Pod. Email us at internationalnewspod at gmail.com. If you're going to shove INS into your body cavities, then make sure it's your ears and check for bugs before you do. Check for bugs before you do. <laughs> check out the INS merch store at Redbubble and our Patreon. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the International News Service. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. INS, the news you need. <laughs>